All right, let's start. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your kindness and your mercy towards us. We thank you, Lord, for um, keeping your covenant of peace with us. You said when we go through the waters, when we go through the fires, fire rather, you will be with us and they will not consume us. And of the truth, that has been our experience. And Father, we thank you. Uh, we pray this evening or this moment that as we study your word together, we ask that you speak to our hearts, teach us by your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Um, cause that we experience your word as it is in the name of Jesus. And if there's any area of our lives where we are not experiencing your peace, let your word bring peace to those areas in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for answered prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, so we're continuing today what we, where, from where we stopped last week. Um, and last week we started the um, conversation on how to experience and maintain the peace of God. And it was an insightful session, I believe. I, for me, it was an insightful session. And I believe it was the same for us as well. So what we want to do today is continue from where we stopped. Um, last week, we, um, we stated that um, there are four ways we, we are highlighting for this study now, four ways, where, um, four ways by which we can experience the peace of God, or you can say four things to do to experience the peace of God, however you want to put it. Um, but just for very practical things we can do to experience God's peace. So I'm just going to run over the, the two things we saw last week and then proceed from there. Um, last week, like I said, we saw, we looked at two things. And the first thing we looked at last week was um, prayer. And we established that even though a lot of believers know that they should pray, however, not many of, of us believers eventually pray about the things that trouble us um, because there's an easy temptation to complain or to, to grumble or to gist about it but not to pray about it. And the thing is, by the time you've just said about it or you've complained about it or you called that friend and you just rant about what, what you're going through, um, there's a likelihood that you forget to pray. Um, there's a very high likelihood that you forget to pray about it, all right? And so we need to be conscious and intentional about it. And Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7 um, says, we should not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God. So God's expected response from whatever we're going through is prayer. And we said clearly that the only response heaven, um, heaven recognizes to our needs is prayer, all right? And then we moved on to see um, the second thing is keeping your heart focused on God, all right? Um, that's the second thing to do <clears throat> to maintain the peace of God in your heart. Keep your heart focused on God, not the situation. And again, we established last week that it is easy for it is easy for our attention to be stirred towards the direction of the problem because the problem is what, what we can experience in our flesh. All right, and by default, we sort of recognize the experiences of our flesh more than that of our spirit. All right. Um, so we need to, it takes extra effort to keep your heart focused on God. Um, give me 10.
All right. So I said it takes um, an extra. It takes extra effort <clears throat> to keep your heart and your your gaze focused on God, not the situation. And we read. I, I gave an example from Scripture last week that how the Israelites were being beaten by snakes, and God's solution to that was um, Moses was for Moses to raise a brazen serpent, and whoever looks to that serpent will be healed. And that's a very difficult thing to do because, uh, like I said jokingly last week. Even when mosquito bites you, you would eat that place. Or let's say an insect bites you, you would put your attention on that bite and try to um, remedy it. But then here God is saying, if, it, this, if the snake bites the Israelites, they should look at the bronzing serpent that Moses um, erected and then they'll be saved. Um, the natural, natural response would be to look at the snake bite which is the problem, but God says, if you do that, you will not solve the problem. Rather, look at my solution. And that is what Jesus Christ represents to us. In fact, Jesus Christ himself said, just as uh, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, he, he then goes on to say, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men to myself. That means, um, using that example now, Jesus is who we look at on the cross. And so, if you keep your heart focused on God, you would be at peace. And we read Isaiah 26, verse 3, that says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you or whose mind is focused on you because he trusts in you. All right. And so we looked at those two things, um, prayer and keeping your heart focused on God. And like I would advise, if you um, weren't here last week or you, you didn't, you, and you just want to, or you want to re, um, renew, renew your memory on what we studied, you can find that on our podcast. All right. Um, so. Today, what we want to look at is um, number three, right? The third thing to do to keep your, to maintain the peace of God in your heart. And before I continue, I'm, I'm saying these things are very practical. You can test them out. You can try them and then, you know, bring a result. Just like when you go to a lab, <clears throat> um, for those of you that were in science class, when you go to a lab, there are things you could test. Um, there, there was what we call litmus test um, that turns, forgive me, I don't remember the accurate one now, but basically if you put a litmus test in, a litmus strip rather in um, acid, it should turn acid either blue or red, if you put it in base, anyways, basically say you can test it. And that's what I'm saying here that these things are very practical and you can test them to see, uh, to see the outcome. All right, so the third thing you can do to maintain the peace of God in your life or to experience it if you have never done so, is rebuke the wind of anxiety, all right? Um, and what I mean by that is the spirit that sponsors that fear, anxiety, worry, etc. Whatever, whatever experience you are going that is the op- you are going through rather that is the opposite of peace. You need to rebuke that the spirit behind it, and this is important again because, like I said last week, you know we were, were in the age of mental health awareness, which is super awesome. And it's, it's great that we are, we are becoming more and more aware of our mental health. But some of the things that are affecting our mental health are not medical. Their origin is not medical. Some of the things that we go through, some of the things that people go through are not founded in medic, medical, um, um, don't have medical roots. Of course, when you go to the hospital, they will diagnose you and prescribe something to you. But the origin might not be a medical um, case. And in such cases, if you don't address the root of the problem, then all your efforts will just be 
a waste of time. It will be effort in futility um, because the cause of, of that experience has not been resolved. Some people's anxiety disorder is not a medical issue, it's a spiritual issue. And if you don't rebuke the spirit behind the anxiety, you might take medication and get temporal relief, but the problem has not been taken away. It's just like someone taking painkillers. Painkillers help relieve you of the pain. It doesn't deal with what is the cause of the pain. So you might feel temporal relief, but it will still resurface because you have not dealt with the roots. All right. And this is what one of the things that believers need to know and need to do to maintain God's peace in their lives. So let's read a scripture, um, a story in the Bible that um, has a prophetic um, an, um, analogy. And we can draw a lot of lessons from this. So let us turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 26. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 8. <clears throat> excuse me. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 um, to verse 26. I'm going to give you like 10 seconds to open. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 20, 23, verse, sorry, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 26. All right, um, I'm going to read, but before, before I read, just to give us, a, give us context to, to these verses, um, the disciples had gone on the boat, you know, Jesus Christ went on the mountain to pray and told them to, um, to continue, I mean, to continue. Oh, sorry. That's, that's a long story. That's a wrong story. Sorry. Let me go take that over again. They were on the boat, right? Um, in the middle of the, the, the water, and then they had storm and Jesus Christ was sleeping at the base of the ship. All right. And then they were almost drowning, but this, man called Jesus was really, really asleep. He was tired. And then the disciples came and woke him up and said, don't you even care that we perish? And then, um, and Jesus Christ said, oh, you have little faith and, you know, goes on and on. So let's read it ourselves. All right. Verse 23. And when he entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, <clears throat> in so much that the ship was covered with waves, but he was asleep. So there rose a great storm, but Jesus Christ was asleep, all right? And then verse 25 says, and his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. Verse 26, and he said unto them, why are you fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose, and I want you to take note of this. He arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was calm. Jesus Christ arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was calm. Um, let's continue. Verse 27 says, um, But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obeyed him, obey him rather? Now, this is a very, that's just very interesting story because there are things I want to point out from this scripture. Um, first is that when there was storm, there was, you know, storm and everywhere was looking like they were going to die. And Jesus Christ was woken up and he said to them, oh, you have little faith. Why are you afraid? And he did something was that, and what did he do? He spoke to the wind. But before I even get to that, he did not try to keep the ship stable. All right. 
And that would have been a good effort, would have been a logical effort. And I'm so sure, <clears throat> excuse me, I am so sure that the disciples with all their fishing experience must have tried doing that. And they tried, you know, stabil stabilizing the sheep, trying, tried um, making sure, you know, the anchor, the rudder, rudder everything was, was okay. And which is what a lot of believers do when they experience anxiety, fear, worry. They try to address it from a surface level, okay? Which is, again, it has its place. And we'll probably look at this next week. Just the, um, no, not just practical, the, the, the things we can do physically that would help us experience peace more and more. But what I'm saying is that some believers start from the surface and they don't address what the origin of the problem is, all right? They try to patch things up. You know, someone may say, oh, it's because I'm, I'm living in a busy city. I want to move to a less busy city. And then they relocate to a less busy city and they find out that they still have anxiety. They still have fears. They still have worries. And the things are still there. Or some say, oh, well, it's because I'm, I'm staying in a small house. I want to <clears throat> move to a bigger house where there's more space, you know, there's more light. And they say, okay, they walk towards that. They move into a more spacious apartment and then they still feel either claustrophobic or still feel anxiety and all of that um someone says okay it's because i don't have enough money maybe when i make more money i'll i'll stop feeling worried about my future and they make seven times what they they, they used to make before and they find out that the worry is still there you see they are trying to address it from the surface level and this is what the disciples did they tried you know stabilizing the sheep tried doing everything but they the storm was still there. And look at what Jesus Christ did when he, when he was woken up. All right, we're reading Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to, or we read rather, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 26. The Bible says that when Jesus Christ woke up, after tell, saying them that, telling them that they had little faith, he spoke to the wind and the sea. He did not speak to the ship he was in because he knew, he knew that the ship was just a, was just a puppet, was just the, a victim of the activities of the wind and the sea. So what Jesus did was that he spoke to the wind and to the sea, and he said to it, peace be still or be calm. And the boat, and there was peace on the waters, and of course the boat became stabilized. And this is what a lot of believers need to do. They need to be, they, we, need, we need to learn and retain our consciousness to speak to the wind of anxiety when it comes. There might be a logical reason from your own perspective why you are feeling anxious or why, why you feel fear or why you feel worry, all right? Or um, like, like they say in medical term, PTSD, all right, post-traumatic syndrome. I, I hope that I got that right. You know, there might be a logical reason for it, but if you don't address the spirit behind it, you continue to live under the influence of that anxiety. And even if the reason is logical, I can tell you that there are other people who have experienced the same thing or probably even worse, but are not are not going, to, going through what you are going through. All right. So that explains that it is beyond just the logical um, um, reason. All right. There's something deeper. There's a spirit foil in it. And let me make a detour to say something here that, um, you know, the devil is a very intelligent being. And because he has studied, he has been around for a long time. He has studied man, um, human nature. And he has found avenues or cracks or windows of opportunities to, to gain access into people's lives, all right? And one of it I want to just point out here, and, and maybe it will help someone or maybe it will help someone you know, is, is grief. If you see somebody going through a period of grief, right? So they lost a loved one, or maybe they lost their job, 
or they were disappointed. You know, someone was just about getting married that probably reset the, the wedding date. And then two months to the wedding, the, the, the man cut off everything and says he's no longer doing. That's a very devastating experience. And the, the woman in this case will feel of, filled with grief, all right? So when you see anybody going through a season of grief, um, it's good to encourage the person and be there for the person and keep speaking over the person's life. Because grief is one of the seasons where the enemy tries to gain access into someone's life. There are people that never recovered from grief. And from, and from that grieving moment, they went into depression and it just kept going down like that. It is not because they were, the grief was unbearable, right? It was because they were not conscious that the enemy could, can, can seep in at moments like that. And this is what I'm saying to us, that when we go through whatever logical reason that may, um, that may seem to be the cause of anxiety or worry or fear or anything of such, when you go through such experiences, you learn to rebuke the demon of anxiety, rebuke the spirit of fear, rebuke the spirit of worry. If not, you perpetually live under the influence of anxiety and you will not experience the peace of God. So what Jesus Christ did here was that he spoke to the wind. He spoke to the wind. And it's so funny that in the Greek, the word for spirit and the word for wind is the same thing, pneuma. All right? And so it tells us prophetically that that wind was most likely caused by a spirit. And how do I know this? All right? Let me, let me give you two reasons why I, I am convinced that the storm they were experiencing was caused by a spirit and it was not just a natural occurrence. All right? And let me, let me just show you two reasons. Number one, go to that same Matthew chapter 8, verse 23, where we read. Look at what he says. Um, look at what he says. Verse 23 says, and when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, arose a great tempest um, in the sea. If you read other translation, he says, and immediately. That means as soon as they entered, immediately the storm came. All right. Why didn't the storm start before they got into the boat? It was as soon as they got into the boat that they saw that the storm started. That is a bit suspicious to me, all right? But you might say, okay, okay, well, it's just coincidence. Let me give you another reason. I mean, I won't be able to read everything because it's a story. But if you read the rest of this chapter, you see that when they got into, when they crossed over the sea into where they were going to, um, into the, the cities of... Um, um, the uh, Decadon, right, the cities, the 10 cities. What happened was as soon as Jesus Christ entered that area, this demon-possessed guy who had legions inside of him, wherever this man was, I don't know, but as soon as Jesus Christ entered that, that vicinity, this man with a demon spirit came to Jesus Christ and said, what have we got to do with you here? Are you here to cast us before, before our own time? That means the demon knew that if Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ was going to cast them out. And so they tried to, you know, bring up a storm to stop Jesus Christ from coming, uh, you know, if possible. But of course that didn't work. But however, what I'm saying here is that there are storms that are caused by spirits. There are anxieties that are caused by spirits. There, there's a season of worry that is influenced by spirits. You need to speak to that spirit and rebuke it in the name of Jesus Christ, let it go. And this is where we must take advantage of our authority as believers and address the seasons or the experiences that we are going through. Do you understand what I'm saying? So let me give practical example. Let's say, in fact, before I even give this example, you know, some, some weeks ago in church, um, uh, um, a pastor, a resident pastor was just, you know, sharing with us how that somebody sent him an email 
And the lady, lady said that she's already feeling so much anxiety for her house rent. This was in the month of February, all right? And that she feels so anxious. She feels she's worried that, that she won't be able to pay her rent. You ask me now, when is her rent due? Her rent is due in December. This is in February, and somebody's already feeling anxiety that they won't be able to pay rent that is due in December. You know, if, if the rent was due next month, I would probably understand that, oh, that there's no money, so that could be a logical reason to worry. But the rent is due way, I mean, 11 months' time, and this person is already feeling anxiety about it. That, you know, it is not normal, and that is suggestive that it is a spirit that is sponsoring it. Some, some of you are already feeling anxious about children that you have not married yet, you've not given birth to yet, you are already anxious about the secondary school your child will go to. I mean, it may sound, it may come in as a logical concern. You may even back it up by data saying, oh, look at the, what is going on in Nigeria. But if you don't rebuke the spirit that is suggesting such thoughts, it will grow to become an, a hold of anxiety in your heart. And that's why you must learn to rebuke thoughts, rebuke thoughts, open your mouth and speak against the thought when it comes. If a thought comes and says, oh, will you even be a good staff? Would they ever promote you? Open your mouth and rebuke that thought. If not, once that thought settles, it will grow and become a, a stronghold of anxiety, all right? So the third way we can, or the third thing we can do to experience the peace of God is to rebuke the spirit of anxiety, rebuke the wind of anxiety, rebuke the spirit of fear, rebuke the spirit of worry and whatever else um, it, it is, all right? So I said here in, on, on the slides rather that most often than not, there is a spiritual influence behind anxiety fear or worry, especially when it is prolonged, all right? Especially when it is prolonged. And we have to rebuke the spirit responsible before the influence will cease. Remember, Jesus Christ woke up from his sleep. He did not speak to the boat because he knows that the boat was not a problem. He spoke to the wind and the sea. That was where the problem was coming from. And you must speak to things. You must speak to the spirit behind, behind whatever experience you are going through. And please, let me say it again and again. You know, the Bible says we are not unaware of the schemes or the devices of the enemy, meaning we are not unaware of his strategies. The Bible says that we should not give the devil a foothold. A foothold means a space large enough for his feet to, to land in our lives. And the way we will not give the devil a foothold is by recognizing when he comes with his tricks, all right? When his, the demons are suggesting some um, experiences in our hearts, suggesting fear, suggesting worry, we speak to it. In fact, I listened to a man of God that said, this was several years ago, I was listening to him. He said that if he's in a car and the radio, radio is on and they are casting news and, you know, typically the bulk of news is bad news, Right. And he begins to speak to the radio and rebuke what they are saying. Now, you might think that is extreme, but it is very valid because if you don't address that information, it will seep into your soul and create an avenue for you to begin to worry. Yeah, have you ever experienced time where you just feel anxious? You cannot tell what is making you anxious, but you just feel your heart palpitating. You're just, your heart is just beating faster than normal and you are worried, but you cannot tell what is, what is causing you to worry. You don't even need to find out what's causing to worry first. Just rebuke the spirit, rebuke it. And if there's a legitimate reason to worry, right, you will see that in that legitimate reason, anxiety will not be there. And why do I say this? Because the same boat 
where the disciples were, were, were concerned that they were going to drown was the same boat that Jesus was sleeping in. What I'm saying is that the same situation that is making you worry is the same situation that somebody else is sleeping in and is fine. So it is not really the situation that is the problem. There's a spirit that is taking advantage of the situation to propagate anxiety, to spread fear, to spread worry. And you speak to the spirit and, um, and, and rebuke that influence over your life. All right? Okay, so I also want us to read um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, this is a popular verse of scripture, but just to highlight the fact that um, certain things we go through are sponsored by spirits, all right? 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And the first thing I want to point out here is that God has not given you the spirit of fear. So fear is a spirit. Fear is primarily a spirit. And I want to make a statement, but you know, I, I want to make it respectfully. For especially for people who have phobias, prolonged phobias, it I, I know that there's a, I mean, there's an accommodation in medicine for that. Um, so there are people that are afraid of this, afraid of that, afraid of you know, different things, afraid of height, afraid of water, afraid of insects, afraid of anything. All right. Um, and I I I, un, I understand that, but this is my own summation. Most of the phobias people have is really a spirit behind it. And you might say, oh, Victoria, getting, you are becoming very spooky. But I'm telling you this, most of these fears that people have, or what we call phobias, is sponsored by spirits. And you can be surprised at the many things that people are afraid of, the amount of phobias that exist in this world, and the way sometimes even people react to, to such things. Of course, you might dislike certain things. You might not be, you might not like insects, which is fine. But that you are afraid of it to a crippling point, I don't think it is just a human tendency. Because what God said to human beings was, have dominion, subdue the earth, meaning everything on the earth should be under you. Whether they are bigger than you or smaller than you in size, but they should be under you. Um, but then there's something that is crippling you so much that you can't even, you are, you are, you are frozen in front of it. I, I am of the opinion right, that it, it is largely a spirit behind it. And we must learn to rebuke the spirit of fear. We must learn to rebuke the spirit of fear. If you have children, teach your children to, from a young age, to begin to rebuke things in the name of Jesus. Let them, they might joke with it, fine, but let them know that this is a possibility, all right? So fear is a spirit, number one. The second thing is that God did not give you that spirit. Meaning, if you are experiencing fear, it is sponsored by a spirit, and if, it's, if you're experiencing it, it is not from God. What that suggests is if it is not from God, you have every right to rebuke and to renounce any experience that doesn't come from God and the spirit that sponsors that experience, all right? So fear is a spirit and it does not come from God. So in your daily practice, learn to rebuke fear. It typically starts as a thought or you probably heard somebody that, um, and went through a painful experience. Maybe you had somebody that was pregnant and there was their pregnancy devastated them. And suddenly you just become afraid of being pregnant. Or you hear somebody that um, went, to, went to do his master's or her master's and then they came back and they didn't still have a job for five years. And suddenly you begin to, begin to develop fear and anxiety that if I do my master's, will I be jobless like that? 
all those funny things that come from thoughts, you must rebuke them immediately. All right? Okay, I've stayed on this long enough. Let's move on to the next one. Um, so, but before we move on, let me show you are together. We, you, are, you are with me in this Bible study. I want you to type in the chat, God has not given me the spirit of fear. Type it in the chat, uh, wherever you are, Mixellar or Zoom, just type it and say, God has not given me the spirit of fear. Let me know we are all together. All right, type it out. Let me see. God has not given me the spirit of fear. God has not given me the spirit of fear. God has not given me the spirit of fear. Let me see us type that in. Um, thank you. I see that um, on Zoom. God has not given me the spirit of fear. God bless you. I want to see some of us typing in again on Mixella. I haven't seen your comments. God has not given me the spirit of fear. All right. Let me see that. God has not given me the spirit of fear. Okay. So while we're typing that, okay, thank you. I see that on, um, on Zoom as well. Um, thank you, Edidion. Thank you, Esther. Thank you. Um, oil and wine on mixer. Okay, fantastic. Thank you, Dara. Yes, I see that God has not given me the spirit of fear. Okay, so I know we are together in this. All right. So let's proceed to the second. Sorry, to the fourth. Um, to the fourth thing we can do to experience the peace of God in our lives. So remember, the first one is to pray. That's pray about the situation and hand it over to God. The second one is. Keep your gaze on, on Jesus Christ, meaning don't focus on this on the situation. No matter how compelling the problem is, don't put your attention on it. It is counterproductive. It sounds logical, but it's counterproductive spiritually. And then the third thing we just said is rebuke the wind of anxiety. And what we mean by wind there is a spirit that is sponsoring that experience you are feeling right now. Whether fear, worry, anxiety, um, restlessness, depression, anything, rebuke the spirit that is sponsoring it, all right? And then the fourth thing is this. Relinquish control over the outcome of the event, thing, or person. What I mean is release control, all right? You know, a lot of times we pray, let's say we're praying for a job, right, and um we were trusting God for a job or we've prayed about it, but then we're also trying to make, we're trying to answer the prayer we've prayed basically. And what I'm saying here is that release control over the outcome of the event, release control. So for instance, somebody is, um, you know, bidding for a contract or God has promised, you know, the person in, in his business that they're going to grow by, by a um, hundredfold this year. And they're excited and they take that word and they're, you know, they're really, really pumped up according to the word of God and they go out into business. But then what they, what most people try to do is they try to manufacture the circumstance that will result in the answer to that of that prayer, right? Or the manifestation of God's word that has been spoken to them. And what I'm saying is I release control over it. In fact, let's say for this person in business, after God said that they will, they will you know, increase by a hundredfold this year, then then let's say a month after um, they have a friend that, you know, becomes, that occupies, gets into, um, into government, for instance, and occupies a strategic position. Let's say the friend is a commissioner of XYZ. And then somehow they calculate and say, wow, that this must be God's method for, to bring my business that 100% increase. All right. And so they go ahead to say, 
they go ahead to say, well, if my friend is a commissioner, then my friend will give me um, this contract that, and by, by the calculation, if I do this contract twice in a year, that my business will be hundredfold. And then in their own mind, they've manufactured the path to the fulfillment of God's word for them. But if you do this, you lose your peace so many times because your expectation will no longer be on your, your expectation will no, long, no, no longer be from God's word, but from the position that that your friend occupies. And when the friend is not picking your phone calls again, you begin to wonder and say, hey, I sent application or I sent proposal. My friend has not picked, has not picked my phone call. What am I going to do? And you just lose your peace over what God did not tell you. Because God only said your business will grow by a hundredfold. He did not tell you how it will happen. You are the one that is trying to manufacture the way it will happen. And what I'm saying is that you need to let it go. You need to release. You need to release control, lose control of the outcome or the process that would result in what God has said. And this is very, very, very important because many people are losing their peace today, not because God hasn't spoken a word to them. They have the word of God, but they are losing their peace because they are trying to make the word of God come to pass. God says, calm down, that my word, okay, let's, let, let's read it. Let, let, since it's, it's already um, on the screen, let's read Isaiah chapter 55, um, just to show you what, what, what God says concerning this. Isaiah chapter 55, all right? And verse eight, to nine, and I'm going to add some verses more. Okay, we'll read verse eight to verse 11. All right, let me extend it some um, by two more verses. So Isaiah chapter 55, verse eight to verse 11. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So God is saying to somebody here today that calm down. What I'm thinking and what you're think, thinking are worlds apart. And Mine is obviously higher than yours. So the way you are thinking God will provide for that need, you should calm down. God has a better plan. You know, there's something my father um, taught us to say um, and to, to declare at an early, early age, and it's the fact that God would bless us from sources we least expect. That was both prophetic and instructive, right? Because every time you put your eyes, fix your eyes on somebody and say, okay, this person is the one God will use or this is the method God will use. God is very skilled at disappointing you so that you don't take the glory and so that nobody else will take the glory, all right? And so God is saying his ways are higher than your ways. You are probably thinking that, okay, um, for me to rise to the level of, of manager, I need to, you know, um, I need to spend like six years in the business. Then I'll take this course, I'll add this degree. And God is saying, calm down. I can make you manager in two, two years. In fact, I can make you manager in one year and you don't need to go through the hassle, all right? So your ways are not the same as God's ways and God's ways are always higher. Let's continue reading. Verse 10 says, um, turn to verse nine, says, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So even when you are thinking that, oh, how will I, um, how would this happen? You know, just the same way um, Mary asked the angel, how would these things be? Her own, uh, her own ex understanding and explanation was that you have to have 
you know, intercourse with a man before you can get pregnant. So it, she couldn't wrap her mind around it. And the angel said, calm down. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So there's a, another method. God has a different way of thinking about that thing that you are worrying about. His thoughts are different from your own thoughts. All right. Now look at verse, verse 10 says, for as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and returns not thither without watering the earth, and making it bring forth and board that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Then he says, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing where, where to I sent it. I want to highlight two things from, 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 um, from this scripture concerning the word of God. Remember I said that many times, Believers, as believers, will receive the word of God. So it's not even a case of whether we've not, we've not heard God or not. We've heard God. We know what God has said concerning that matter. But we're trying to make it happen by our own efforts. And God is saying, calm down, that the word I spoke to you has inherent ability to bring to pass or bring to manifestation what it talks about. So look at what he said in verse 10. He says, just as the rain that comes from the earth, right? He says, and waters the earth and makes it bring forth and board. So when the rain comes down, it makes the earth bring forth. It's the same way when God comes to you, the God's word without your own effort or assistance can make what it said, says to come to pass. Now, am I saying that there is no responsibility you have? Absolutely, there's responsibility you have in whenever God's word comes and your responsibility is obedience. Your responsibility is not to cost to perform. Your responsibility is to obey. And God never would never give you an instruction that is beyond the reach of your obedience. And so therefore, don't carry out activities that are beyond the reach of your obedience. What I mean is, when God um, spoke to Moses from concerning the Red, Red Sea, he said, stretch forth your rod. Moses obeyed by stretching forth the rod. Moses did not try to make the river part. He did not try to make the Red Sea part. All he did was obey, stretch forth the rod, and he saw the the power of God. But what many of us are trying to do is after stretching for the rod, especially when it doesn't part immediately, we then go to the edge of the water and try to separate the water with our hands and try to think and say, ah, maybe, maybe if I, you know, use this method, what water will part. No, God is saying, you just obey, then allow my word to take effect and you'll see the power thereof. So what I'm saying in essence is relinquish control, right, over the outcome of that chain. Relinquish control, release it don't try to figure out how God would make what he has said to you happen to happen. No, release it, just release control, release control, release control, rest, rest in God. Don't try to manufacture the, the, the answer to your own prayer. If you could do that, you wouldn't pray in the first place. Once you've prayed, release it. You know, um, where, we, where we read from 1 Peter 5, I believe verse 9, is where it says cast over seven, where it says cast your cares upon Jesus. Um, the passion translation says, let me let me go back a few slides and just read that to us. Um, passion translation says, yes, it says, pour out just just okay, let me read everything. Pour out your worries and stress upon him and leave them there, for he already he always tenderly cares for you. So pour out your worries on God and leave them there. Don't carry them again. Leave them there. But what many believers do is that they give God, they pray to God about their problem. 
Then they take the problem back and go and try to solve it. And God is saying, I can't walk when you are walking. Two of us can't be walking together. You have to sleep or you have to rest. Then let me walk. And let me read a scripture for us um, just to show that God walks when we are at rest. All right? Um, okay, before we read Proverbs, let's read Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. Again, this is, is a popular you know, story, so we already know this. But I want to point out something from, from here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. All right? And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And let me add verse 23. Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. This was the best thing that happened to Adam. All this while he had gone across the earth, you know, seen animals, seen trees, look at the birds, looked at the fishes. He did not see anything that was suitable to be called his companion. And then what God did was he put him to sleep. And I'm saying to us today that many of us need to sleep, right, so that God can walk. Many of us need to rest from our hustle, rest from our attempts to make something happen, rest from our attempts to manufacture the answer to our prayers. We need to rest so that God can walk. God only goes to walk when we are at rest. Let me say this again. God only goes to walk when we are at rest. He can't walk while we are while we are walking, while we are trying to do to, to answer it. No, 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 he won't do that. You need to get to, a, get to a place of rest. That's why Moses said, be still and see the deliverance of God. Be still and see the power of God. And many of us need to get to that place of stillness where you have prayed, your gaze is on Jesus, you have rebuked the, the spirit behind fear and anxiety and everything. Now it's just time for you to rest in the fact that God will do what he has said he will do. And if you can learn this, you will see the power of God Permit me to say without stress, you will see the power of God manifesting with ease. Just learning to rest and know that God, you know, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. There is a knowledge of God, an experiential knowledge of God you will never have unless you come to that point of stillness. So release the control of whatever is worrying you or whatever is troubling you. You know, if something is causing you to be anxious, what that tells you is that you are trying with your efforts to make that thing work. You have not fully involved God yet. You are still trying to make it work. You know, as a parent, and, and there are very legitimate concerns you may have for your children as they are growing up. Um, as a business owner, there are legitimate concerns you may have for your business. You want it to grow. You want it to scale. But you see that your efforts from anxiety will, is not what produces the result. You just need to Act in obedience, you know, to God's word and then allow God to do what only he can do. All right. So please, I'm encouraging us here. If there's anyone who is worried about something, maybe you just need to rest. Yes, you've prayed about it. Nothing has happened. It doesn't seem like anything is happen happening physically. I understand, but you need to rest. God makes, does his best work when we are at rest. All right. Okay, one more scripture I want to read for us is Proverbs chapter 3, 
And I think that'll be the last scripture before we take um, questions and you know contributions and um, interaction. So Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. The book of Proverbs chapter three, where's my Proverbs? Okay. Chapter three, verse five and six. If you are there, please read for us. Nobody, I've not heard anybody's voice aside mine. I would love to hear someone else read. So please, if you are there, read for us. I would love someone to read for us. Um, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter three, verse five and verse six. Someone from Zoom wants to help us out. Proverbs chapter um, three, verse five and six. Somebody please helping us out. Anybody, anybody, quickly. Proverbs chapter five, chapter three. Okay, let me read. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six, right? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. He says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. I know this is probably a favorite you know, verse of scripture for many of us, but it is, it is a very practical one that we should, in, um, we should imbibe, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. He says, in all your ways, no, no, he says, lean not on your own understanding. And, and this is where um, the issue of rest really comes in, that many times we, are, we lean on our understanding. Yes, we have prayed, but we are leaning on our, on our understanding. We've prayed to God for a job, but we're leaning on our own understanding of how God will provide a job. We've prayed to God for multiplication, financial increase, but we're still leaning on our own understanding of how God will bring that increase. We've prayed to God for maybe a loved one who is, um, who is medically challenged, but we're still leaning on our understanding. And what that means is that we are subjecting the manifestation to our limited understanding. And this is what I'm saying, that God cannot work that way. Because once you limit the manifestation to your understanding, really, what do you really understand about life that can be compared to God? All right? So God is saying, when you pray, trust in me with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding. Don't incline towards the way you understand God will give you a job. All right? God, don't incline towards the way you understand um, God will open certain doors for you. You are thinking, oh, maybe this, this person in my church that I know, or this person in my family, or this my particular friend um, that will open that door for me. That is your understanding, and you are leaning towards it. But what God is saying, that don't lean on your understanding. Pray, trust me, acknowledge me, and then I will direct your path. All right? And this verse of scripture brings a story. I'll just share personal experience. Um, I might have shared this before, but I'll just share it again, you know, and it really, an experience that really taught me a lot till today. So back in university, so I studied engineering, right? So, um, and in Nigeria, it's a five-year course. And in your fourth year, second semester, <clears throat> you begin to, you, you have to do your internship, okay? Your SIWES, the student work experience scheme, I, I believe. So that, we had that six months of internship. Now, from my first semester, I'd already started praying about it, you know, spend time praying, fasted, Lord, direct me, open doors, lead me to where I should serve and where I should, you know, intern and all of that. And then I got a release in my spirit that God had answered my prayer. So I was excited. I knew that it was a done deal. 
Now, at the same time, there was a, a classmate of mine whose mom worked at Chevron at that point. I don't know if she still works there now, but at that time she was working at Chevron. And so I, and Chevron, I mean, who doesn't want to work in an oil and, in an oil and gas company? So I went to this, my friend and said, ah, you know what? Your mom works at Chevron. And well, you know, you're my guy. Speak to your mom now. Let's let her, you know, help us get, um, what do you call, get an internship there. And this is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong in, in that. But I, have, I built so much expectation and confidence on that. And in fact, that was the way I interpreted God would answer my prayer. So this is what happened. And like I said, God is, God is specialized, uh, has a specialty in disappointing you when you already have figured your, yourself out. And so I went, um, the school closed at end of first semester. You know, we wrote the exams for internship and all of that. And we were now during the period where the beginning of those six months, the first week, no, no news. I called my friend and said, ah, how far? Have you got any news? He said, ah, no, nothing. They've not gotten back to him. I said, okay, my mind, I said, well, if my friend hasn't gotten me then uh, and we're in the same shoes, so no problem. When he gets his own, I'll get my own. That was where my confidence was. <laughs> the next week I called my friend. I said, ah, how far? Anything? He said, hey, oh, that he actually resumed work. Oh, ah, that he doesn't know why my name didn't come out. Ah, at this point, I was devastated. I said, okay, you know, speak to your mom. Let's see what I can do. He said, okay, okay, speak to his mom. Long and short is I never got it. So I was already heartbroken. Meanwhile, there was another company that my dad has spoken to, to my uncle about. And then my uncle, you know, connected me with um, his friend who was a director at that company. I said, I should go there. I went there and I did not like it. I grumbled. I complained to my dad. It was far. I, every man of complaint, I said, I'm not going there again. And the salary was, I can't even tell you guys, it was nothing to talk about. But my dad just encouraged me. I said, okay, well, since there's no other offer now, at least start with that one. And then um, I, 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 thankfully I got a place to stay that was close by. But even for that first month of staying there, my mind was not there and I did not like it. And so one day I went to pray and I told, I, I was taking a walk praying and I was telling God that God, this is not what you promised me. It was almost as if I was accusing, accusing God, you know. I was telling God, God, you know, I know I prayed. You cannot tell me I did not pray for this. I prayed hard for this internship. You gave me your word. You, I felt peace in my spirit. I knew you answered me, but this is not, doesn't look like the answer. I was just talking and talking. And then God spoke to me from this scripture we just read. He said, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And the scripture melted my heart because at that point, I was not trusting in God. I wasn't trusting in God with all my heart. I was trusting in what I expected the answer or the manifestation to be. I was trusting the connection I had, you know, and then he goes on to say, and lean not on your own understanding. And at this point, God now said to me that, including your understanding of how I would answer you, don't lean on it. And that was the first time I was ever hearing anything like that. It, it really shook me to the core because all this while I was leaning on, the, on my understanding of how God would answer my prayer. So yes, God gave me an assurance that he had answered my prayer, but I was leaning on my own understanding of how it will manifest. And God caught me in my tracks and said, stop leaning on your own understanding. And that night was a night of repentance for me. So I repented and the next day I went back to work full of energy and life. Nothing changed in the workplace, right? But I was just full of life because of that encounter. And as God will have it, maybe like two weeks after, 
I went on a site project and what they paid me for the project was way more than my, my friend was collecting, you know, in Chevron at that time as an intern. And then the experience I was getting was so valuable and everything just aligned. And I feel as though God wanted to teach me first and foremost to trust him and not lean on my understanding, but release control of the outcome of that um, prayer. And this is what I'm saying. I'm sharing this testimony with us just to buttress this point again and to encourage anybody here who probably has prayed for something and it hasn't yet manifested and you're getting worked up about it, you're worried, you're concerned. I'm saying to you, release control of that thing. Release your expectation of how it will happen. Don't lean on your own understanding of how God will bring that thing to pass. Allow the word of God to fulfill itself. You just obey and leave it. You know, where we say supernatural, there is a combination of two words. There's super and there's natural. And this is what happens in every testimony. There's the super part which only God can do. But then there's a natural part which only us can do. Your responsibility is to do the natural part. That is do what God has, God, what is expected of you and what is in obedience to God's instruction. Again, let me just back to an example of someone looking for a job. The natural part is that you will apply for the job. You prepare yourself, apply for the job. You know, the supernatural part is that God will give you favor in the hearts of the people um, reviewing the application. So don't try to manufacture favor by calling calling them and say, half a half a, or by sending one long LinkedIn message and say, you know, I'm the best candidate, all of that. I mean, it's not, there's nothing wrong in itself in doing that. But when your expectation is to, is to improve on the, your favor ranking, then that is you leaning on your own understanding. All right. So do not lean on your understanding. Like I said here, um, relinquish control of, um, sorry, here I said, um, relinquish control over the outcome of the event or thing or person, all right? And when I say person here, because you might be praying for someone, it might be a sibling who is wayward, it might be a child who is who is troubling you, it might be a, a person, you know, don't try to, especially if the person is close to you, it can be very emotional and sentimental, but don't try to manufacture how the person will be saved. Your own is to, <coughs> excuse me, your own is to pray for the person and let God decide how his salvation or her salvation experience will come. You intercede and let God do his work, all right? And I said here in conclusion that God does his best work when we are at rest. So I was going to say, turn to your neighbor and say rest. But um, since you don't have a neighbor here, type it in the chat and say, God does his best work when you are at rest. Mention somebody's name in the chat with you and say, um, to me, rest, or Esther, rest, or um, Bemiga, rest, or anybody in the chat that you can see. Mention the person's name and tell the person to rest. All right, so that is all for today. That marks the end of today's teaching, and I hope we've learned something um, from this. I'm still waiting for our comments. Yes, I can see Emily, rest. Thank you very much. Um, mention somebody's name and tell them to rest in the comment section. Um, tell them to rest. Anybody you see on Zoom, tell them to rest. Rest, rest, rest. Rest in God. God does his best work while we are at rest. Hallelujah. I haven't seen any comment from 
uh, mixellar yet. I see your, okay, Kelechi, they say she rest. Kelechi, rest again. Um, Emily, rest. Thank you, Gideon, rest. Thank you, I see that. Who else is typing, dropping a comment on mixellar? Tell somebody that you see rest. Rest, 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 rest. Okay, on mixellar, Idara, rest in the Lord. Fantastic. Choma, they said you should rest on Zoom. Rest, and, and you know, <laughs> someone says pastor victor rest in the lord yes i take that i would rest <laughs> thank you and sometimes you it's yourself you even have to speak to sometimes you have to tell yourself victor rest calm down tell yourself rest you know speak to you like like david said he says my soul why are you troubled you know you have to come to a point where you start telling you talking to your, yourself and tell yourself rest you have to rest hallelujah all right. Okay. Awesome. So this time where we take questions, please, if you do have any questions, um, we're, we're open to taking them now. Um, any question concerning anything that we said, uh, maybe something we said wasn't clear, or um, you, you want to ask a question based on an experience you had, or maybe just anything that pertains to what, we, what we've studied so far, please feel free to ask your question, um, your questions. God bless you. We will take them right away. On Mixella, you can just type in your questions. Um, on Zoom, you can unmute and speak. Okay, Kelechi, I see your hand. Oh, please go ahead. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, Victor. Good evening. So my question is this. I'm speaking now out of personal experience. Like, for example, I'm a business owner. And I'm having challenges. and. I have an idea that I want to put forward. I have done, it took me such a long time to even get to the point where I can, um, I can bring that idea into fruition. But now the problem is actually moving forward with it. Even though I have documented it, moving forward with it. Mm. I, and I, every time I try to like do it, it feels like I am going above myself. Like I feel I'm reaching too much. Is that another way for God to be telling me that I should rest? <laughs> but the, the another thing, another question I want to ask is, okay, my first question is, is my feeling of overreaching a way of God telling me to rest? And two, my, is it possible that I am telling myself that I cannot achieve it by not pushing myself to do it? Or will pushing myself do it make it look as if I'm doing it for my own resource or with my own knowledge? Mm. Okay. Um, so first off, is that one of the ways you know that you are going beyond your beyond your reach at that instance is that you begin to feel worked up. And what I mean worked up is this that you know. You know, the Bible says when, when you pray about it from Philippians 4, verse 6 says, don't be anxious about anything by prayer and supplication, all of that. Then verse 7 says, and the peace of God will guard your heart. Meaning the peace of God will begin to stand as a, just think of a, a guard, a soldier at a door that decides what to come in and go out. That's what the peace of God will do. Meaning that concerning that particular matter, any experience or any action you do must be filtered by peace. So if at any point in time you are trying to take an action and you just feel restless, either restless because it feels overwhelming or restless because you don't feel comfortable with the action, even though it feels logical, 
then it could just be that you are going beyond your beyond your your reach at that for that particular situation so my my response to that is if you feel overwhelmed and from your spirit you just feel uncomfortable you feel um there's so much you just feel stretched and in an uncomfortable way okay then it could likely be that you're going beyond your reach for that particular particular matter um second thing is how do then do you balance this with taking f with you know taking effort and 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 making moves and taking bold steps the thing with god is that you know faith doesn't faith doesn't make like someone said faith doesn't make things easy in quotes it makes things possible so somebody might be doing a huge project project that logically it is difficult but because they are um working with god on that matter they will still be at peace and this still brings me back to the thing to the issue of peace because peace is the is the plumb line you cannot anything outside that is is signify is or is symptomatic of um, you going outside the will of God. So you can take bold steps, but as your peace must be there. The moment you are losing your peace, then you know that that step you are taking as bold and as logical as it is may just not be what God will have for you. On the flip side, there are people who are too complacent, all right? And um, God typically will have to, God has to push you and stir you up and, uh, you know, inspire you or ignite you to take those actions, just like he spoke to Joshua, he says, be courageous. But even in that courageous step, the peace of God is still the anchor, all right? And one last thing I want to say is that, just because of the context you gave, is that when we're reaching for things, sometimes we try to, we, you know, we try to, to, we take actions, we take steps, and it seems like when we take the steps, we, hit, we reach a brick wall. Many times, God will just have us to relax and step back and he will open a door. And when God opens the, a door, even though it's a massive door, it will come with ease. Ease here yeah, doesn't mean you, you'll be lazy about it, but the way the door will come is, the way the opportunity will come to you will not be because you struggled for it, but it will, be, it will come with such an ease that you only just need to do what you could do, which is not anything fantastic or spectacular, but the door opened and you entered into it. An example is the story of Joseph. Joseph had been interpreting dreams in the prison. So there was nothing necessarily new about him interpreting dreams. But when that door opened for him to interpret, interpret the dream of a king, one, he did struggle for it. And remember, he tried two years ago. He had told this guy that, please speak to the king about um, for me. And he tried it with, in his own effort. Nothing happened. When he had forgotten about it, he was at peace. He had even given up about it, probably. God opened the door and he did not do anything necessarily spectacular that he had not done before. It was the same interpretation of dreams, but now the door opened um, of its own accord and he entered into that um, you know, dimension. Um, yeah, so I hope this, this helps. Thank you. All right, any other question? We could take one more. One more question from anyone. Okay, um, so if there are no questions or while we're coming up with our questions, I want us to drop in the comment section um, something that we've learned from all of this, all of today's you know, discussion and also from last week, um, just something that we have learned that we're going back with, all right? You can drop it in the comment section. I will take two people that want to speak out, um, you know, just speak out and tell us what they've learned, but the rest of us can type it in our comment section so please, who wants to fill our two slots for what they have learned today? 
something you learned today that you're going back with. Um, someone wants to share with us quickly, quickly. Anybody? Okay, I'm going to call on Bemi Sola. Bemi Sola, do you want to share with us what you've learned today? Um, please unmute your mic if you're there and then share with us what you've learned today. For those of us on Mixella, please you can type in your um your your comments and we'll read out loud. Bemi Sola, are you there? You can please type in your your or rather I'll mute rather to speak and tell us what you learned. Okay, Edith Young, you have a question. Okay. Um, ho hold on, Edith Young, before we take your question, let's hear Bemi Sola. No, Bemi Sola, please go ahead, yes. Uh, we can't hear you yet. I know you've unmuted, but we can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can hear it loud and clear. Thank you. Yeah, so I just, I learned that God has not given us the spirit of fear and then to just put confidence of God, uh, confidence in God as is assured, um, trust in him in all that I do and not allow anxiety or fear of the unknown to you know, lead me or to make me weary or worry about things. Fantastic, thank you. Thank you. So God has not given us the spirit of fear and then not letting the fear of the unknown um, cause you to worry. Thank you so much, Baby Sola. Thanks for that learning highlights. Okay, Didion, can go ahead and ask your question. Hello, um, I don't know, can you hear me? Yes, um, it's a bit more food, but I think I can make out what you're saying. All right, good. Um, so my question is, is quite funny, but then it's one that kind of troubles me a bit. So um, currently I'm at the stage whereby like, I'm trying to get myself into like a godly relationship. And it's quite a tricky one for me. It's quite a tricky one for me because I've been with someone for like a while. So it's quite new, quite strange. Um, in as much as I spend a lot of time either studying the word or I spend a lot of time praying, but then I don't know why. I just still get troubled. I just still get a little bit worried. I'm always thinking, okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? And then um, to make matters worse, it feels like I'm surrounded by um, certain kind of people who are not like spiritual as such. So like they are of a different mind, to be honest. And it just makes it, it just makes it tricky, to be honest. I just get disturbed sometimes. I get worried or I just, and I think to myself, okay, do I try and make this happen? Do I do this or do that? Or like, do I just rest knowing that God cares for me? It's, it's just a tricky one. All right, thank you. All right, all right, thank you very much. And that's a very practical one. And thanks for um, being open about it. So I'm gonna say, two things, right, concerning this. Number one is, um, if you don't already have a word from God concerning this matter, then this will be a good time to, you know, ask God for his promise concerning um, relationship and marriage for you, in particular. That's a personal word that God will show you from scripture and uh, that, that serves as a basis or an anchor for your confidence, okay? And why that's important is because um, you know, just like like Peter, when he was when Je when he saw Jesus Christ walking on water, he asked Jesus and say said to him, "If you are the one, tell me to come." And Jesus Christ gave a word and said, "Come." So even though Peter desired to walk on water, he needed a word from Jesus before he could do so. And what I'm saying is to say that 
our desire is not sufficient enough for us to place an expectation from God. We should go to God with our desire and ask God to give us a word con concerning that matter. All right, so that's one. And, and this is, you might already have, ha have this word. I do not know, but if you don't, um, go ahead and ask God to give you a word. If you already have the word, then go back and visit the word of God, all right, concerning that. The second thing to do in addition to this, or not necessarily to do, but just a mindset to have, is from where we read in Proverbs 3, look at verse 6 says, Proverbs 3 verse 6 says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So there is a promise for direction that comes when we acknowledge God, meaning we factor God into whatever we are doing. Then he, promised to, he has promised to direct us. And particularly for this issue of marriage and relationship, um, you really need the direction of God. I, I know that there are some, there are some um, well, I say natural things that we encourage people to do. For instance, we say, okay, go out, you know, meet people, go out um, to visit friends, join a, 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 maybe a service unit in church and all of that, which is good, but that in itself is not the guarantee, all right? Um, God has promised to direct your path. So trust in his direction more than you trust in your ability to woo a woman or ability to have the right right words or right you know um entrance whatever you know forgive me i'm married now so I, I think i've lost touch on what what happens but trust in god that's what i'm saying he will direct your path you know when I, my wife and i got married we were we had the least chance of even meeting each other but looking back we now saw that god actually directed our paths to for directed our paths for us to cross each other all right so my what i'm saying is don't rest in God's ability to direct you rather than your ability to make the right decision or to be with the right people. And especially if, like you said, the people around you don't seem like the options you would um, you would ever even pick from. And this one brings practically, my, my wife also had a similar scenario. The people around her didn't look like the people that she would even want a husband from. Not because they were ungodly, but they were not just her type. And then God shifts me from another circle into her own circle and all of that. So my, my, my word to you is this, rest in God's ability to direct you. Bible says, if you acknowledge him, he will direct your path. Wherever that path will lead to, to a wife, to a new job, to um, business opportunities, whatever, he would lead your, he will direct your path. Um, all right. Okay, I hope that helps. All right, so we're, going to, we're ending on this note. I haven't seen anybody's comment on what they learned. I know Bemi Sola shared with us what she learned, but I'd love to see the rest of us type that in the comment section, what we have learned for today as we conclude, all right? So in conclusion, just um, to encourage us to join our community, I'm gonna share my screen right now, especially for those of us on Zoom, so we can um, scan the barcode or we can, oh, just a minute. Uh, we can join our community. So just want to make quick announcements, please. Um, I have to pull this up. Um, okay. Just a second. Okay, finally got it, yeah. So um, when we have our community engagements, right, meaning platforms that we engage, engage um, each other. So please just ignore this last part. All right, so number one is our WhatsApp group. So please, if you're not in our WhatsApp group, kindly join our WhatsApp group. That is the link. Um, let me show us the barcode itself. Okay, good. So this is the barcode 
for us to scan. I'm going to drop the link for those of us on Zoom. Uh, sorry, for those of us on Mixeller in a moment's time. But for those of us on Zoom, please just pull out your phones or take a screenshot if you're if you're on your phone right now. Just take a screenshot of this and then you can join our WhatsApp WhatsApp group um, via this barcode. I'm going to count to five for us to do that. Five, four, three, two, one. Thank you. All right. Secondly, is for us to also join our mailing list. Um, so if you're not yet in our mailing list, and how do you know if you're not in our mailing list? Have you ever gotten an email from us? If the answer is no, that means you're not in our mailing list. So kindly join our mailing list. Um, we send very helpful tips, and, and we also have a conversation on, um, on, on that platform. So please just scan this barcode or take a screenshot of it, and that will take you right to join our mailing list. All right. So for those of us on, on Mixeller, let me just copy this and paste it for us. Um, right away. I am still waiting for our learning points. I haven't seen anybody drop anything yet. Type in what you learned today quickly while I while I drop these these links on Mixeller and then we pray. So for those of us on Mixeller, I'm dropping the link for us. Please go ahead and join our um, WhatsApp group. That's where most of our conversation happens. And then lastly, join our email newsletter. All right. God bless you all, all for joining. I'm still waiting for our comments. But while that is coming, coming in, thank you all for joining. God bless you. We'll continue next week. Um, we continue next week and um, we would still on this topic of peace, but we'll take a different dimension and to be a lot more interactive. We might even have a, you know, someone else speak to us next week. Who knows? We'll let you know. All right. Thank you all again for joining us. God bless you. Okay. I see Faith says relinquish control. That's something she learned today. Fantastic. Thank you very much. All right. Have a wonderful evening, everyone. Okay. I see again, I learned that fear or anxiety is a spirit. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Okay, finally, goodbye. I know I've said that so many times. Goodbye, God bless you. I'll stay back for a few minutes. If anyone wants to have a word or just see my face, I'll be right here for a few more minutes. Have a